0: Microbial Nation, and welcome to another episode of The Microbe Moment, the show that brings you down to the microscopic level to view the world just a little bit differently. Today, we're talking with Chris Rose, a Trekkie, a PhD student, and a kombucha brewer. He's going to tell us the ins and outs of kombucha. I hope you'll have fun with this one and enjoy the show.
1: I'm here today with a good friend of mine, Chris. Who is a kombucha brewer and his SCOBY named Toby. So Chris, can you tell us what kombucha is?
2: So kombucha is a delicious, fizzy, fermented tea.
1: And how, how do you create it?
2: So you start basically with your SCOBY, which stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. It's an acronym, which basically has all these microbes in it of different fungi and bacteria that are fermenters and add a lot of yummy metabolites. And so first what you do is you boil water to sterilize it. But while it's hot, you brew tea in it too. And it takes quite a bit of tea. Uh, While it's still hot, you wanna put in about a quarter of how much tea you made of sugar. So you have this really super sweet tea mixture that you then uh, dilute and let it cool down because it's gonna be hot because it was boiling. So at that point,
1: is the uh, liquid, like, sickeningly sweet? It gets so much you don't even want to.
2: Super, super sweet. And while you're making it, if it spills at all, it gets all super, super sticky. So you got to be careful. But you let it cool down, and you add in your SCOBY. And so the SCOBY is not only present in this big, this big, chunky thing that looks like a (laughs) pancake, a microbial pancake, but it's also present... In the liquid around the uh, what's it's called the pellicle. This is called the pellicle. Um, so when you inoculate your culture that super super sweet and now sterile tea, you plop in your scoby along with the some of the liquid around it, and put a nice. I have this little cloth that I put over the top, just so stuff doesn't fall in. And also so like bugs, don't get in because fruit flies love this stuff because it smells just like um, overripe fruit. So they go nuts. And you let it ferment. I usually let it ferment for like nine days, but it's good to test it, taste test it along the way. And you can kind of taste as it goes from really super, 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 super sweet. And then it gets a little less sweet and a little more vinegary kind of. And that's when you know it's done is when it's just not that sweet anymore. That means all the sugar's used up and it's, it's ready to move on to the next step where you add to a bottle like this, you add some fruit juice and the rest and some, and the kombucha you just made and you let that ferment. All of this of course takes place at about room temperature. You let that ferment for, uh, I usually do like four days, four or five days. And that helps it get nice and kombucha-y and carbonated. You'll get bubbles up in here. Boom, chill it, and you're ready to go. You don't always have to add fruit juice. You can have it just straight out of the jug. But I am I am not one of those people who likes it fresh out of the jug. I'll take like a little bit, but then it's just like, like I want more. So you can add the fruit juices and you get a more developed flavor.
1: So, so you can do two fermentation processes.
2: Yeah, this is your... One is
1: aerobic and one is anaerobic. One's with oxygen and the second is without oxygen. Correct. So what is without oxygen? What is the anaerobic fermentation? That's where you get the carbon dioxide?
2: Yeah, you get the, the carbonation there because basically all this pressure builds up in here and the microbes are still alive and fermenting all that sugar, especially from the fruit juice you put in, And so this headspace becomes super pressurized, and so the gas has nowhere to go besides back into solution. That's what gives you the bubbles. Same thing happens in beer.
1: Interesting. So how long have you been brewing kombucha for?
2: I have been brewing kombucha for four months.
1: And what, what got you started with it?
2: That's a good question. I went to the San Diego Fermentation Festival. You were there. (laughs) <laughs> and I tried kombucha for the first time. And I tried a bunch of different kinds. And there was they all like tasted very interesting. And some of them I was just like, this is horrible. I hate this. And then there was others that I really enjoyed. I was like, wow, this is really good. And one day, just kind of on a whim after I had tasted, I was like, I'll taste the stuff that they sell in the store. And I had like one and I was totally hooked. And I'm like, this is so good. So I started just buying it from the store and drinking all the different store brands, but it just got too expensive. I feel like the price of kombucha kind of went up. And so one of my friends gave me a kombucha kit, starter kit that basically comes with a little little package of SCOBY and this jar and basically everything you need to get started. And I made some and it's so much cheaper than in the store and you can tailor it to exactly how you like it, which I think is really cool. You can't necessarily do that in the store. You can put whatever flavors you want in there and see how it turns out. And so it's really fun.
1: So do you, since you've been uh, brewing, do you have any kombucha horror stories on terrible things that have gone wrong? In yes,
2: industry? I have like only one, but it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I had made some kombucha and it went through the first stage just fine. And then that went to the secondary fermentation, just fine. Um, I didn't make, I didn't even like try anything new. I had, this is like the same way I had always done it for this certain pineapple kombucha. And after a while, during the secondary fermentation, one of the bottles turned gray, which isn't like usually a color for food, um, but it was super fizzy. So I was like, Oh man, I wonder if that's good. And then I tried some of it and it was okay, but it did, Make me sick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you drink the whole thing or you got sick and then dumped a it? A little bit.
2: Just tried a little bit. And my stomach was like, What have you done?
1: Yeah. So, which brews have been your favorite? You've which said you've brews been have been my favorite? Yeah, you said you've been experimenting with the different fruit juices. Which combination have you really enjoyed?
2: I really like pomegranate. It's uh-huh. right here. And mm-hmm. I also like. Um, like the cara, cara oranges are those like pink oranges
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's really good in kombucha too so those two are my favorite uh, i also like pineapple but i'm kind of tired of it because i kept doing pineapple because i was like hey i like this and that probably burnt myself out on it so i'm sticking to those two I've, I've tried black cherry juice also and that was not good like that's the that's the only combination that i've done where i'm like no this is a waste of kombucha
1: You
2: know, I don't know what in the black cherry juice makes it not as appetizing, but no, no.
1: So do you have any advice for, for new kombucha brewers? If you're inspiring people right now to go off and start boiling some tea and adding some microbes, what advice would you give them?
2: I would definitely say that it's a learning process and it's like important to, I think it's really important to when you're first making it and you first got your jug and you're doing your first fermentation to basically kind of taste it every day. So you can kind of get a feeling for like how the flavor changes from the super gross sweet all the way to a more mature flavor. And the best way to just like get better at it and more experienced with it is to just like keep tasting it because then you can kind of predict like, oh, I think maybe a day more or two days more. And there's also sort of this... Um, tipping off, tipping point where uh, it does, it will get super vinegary and that does not taste good. So kind of, that's what you're, that's kind of what you're like racing up against. It's like how delicious and fermented can I get this before it just becomes vinegar? And so that's sort of, that's sort of the delicate dance. And so, but if you're just tasting every day, you get a real idea of how those flavors work and how it ferments. And I think that helps you understand your your scoby a little bit better also name your scoby it's super fun those are my two tips
1: yes always name a scoby yes and
2: i i I think it's great if it rhymes with with scoby too
1: (laughs) how many other names rhyme with scoby
2: i think that's that's i think that's you gotta ask your scoby
1: have you opened up your pomegranate uh kabucha yet
2: i have not opened this one up yet
1: can we open it up we can Give it a taste test.
2: You can point it away from your face. I'll let you go first.
1: Is it gonna like spring out? What's it?
2: Just like don't point it. Just like point it like away.
1: Oh, okay. I oh, okay, got it. Great. It's beautiful. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, it smells like thunder. Yeah.
2: yeah, it smells good.
1: This is like a, a nice scotch. You're supposed to sniff it and smell it first. <sighs>
2: Delicious.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's really good.
2: Hmm. Good good bubbling. you can see that bubbling up. You can't really see it because it's a webcam. But it's got good bubbling up when you first open it. It kind of comes out to greet you like, hey, it's me, your kombucha. And it's busy and it kind of stays busy. Sometimes, and this is purely, I have no idea why, you'll make it and your SCOBY, that batch, that bacteria and fungi for whatever reason, will produce a lot of something that's like kind of like a surfactant, could be like a surfactant or whatever. And the bubbles are like super thick, like almost like soap bubbles. So like you'll pop it and then it'll like foam and fizz and come out the top, even though it's not that carbonate and they're like these thick bubbles and it's a little gross, but it's fine. It's just like this weird random thing.
1: So if I take this little um, scoby goose and put in some teeth and I can grow my own scoby, you could definitely there's a little oh, pellicle in there into the big thick disc that you have up, Toby.
2: It takes probably, so what most people do when they start a kombucha from a bottle is you'll have basically like a full kombucha run where you start to make a kombucha, you do all like the normal kombucha steps and you add the, a SCOBY from a bottle, maybe like this much put it in there and just let it go for like nine days and then dump it out because that's not going to be super mature kombucha. Like that's basically just using all the nutrients in the tea just to make more pellicle and more scoby. And um, that'll make like a thin layer of the pellicle. And in your next brew, you've got your full run going. So you kind of have to do like a sacrificial brew just to, get the, the colony formed and ready and then after that you're good to go and then it just gets thicker and thicker and thicker and you can split it in half and they can tear it away. It's like layers. Kind of like an onion and you can give it to people or some people will store in their layers and they make like these Scoby hotels. It's also called like a tea mushroom. Which it's I think is a
1: tea mushroom?
2: Yeah, tea mushroom or tea fungus. I
1: haven't heard of that one before. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyway, so yeah, you can keep a bunch of these. Some people think that you only need like a small pellicle in a batch and so they don't want to put too much. I don't really follow that. But yeah, you can get, store a bunch of these in like a kombucha mixture and you have a little SCOBY hotel or whenever you want to use them.
1: So Chris, you are not only a kombucha brewer, but you are also a PhD candidate in plant Mythology. Yep. Yeah. So I want to end this little interview by asking you, where do you think the field of microbiology will be in uh, five to 10 years from now? What is the future of, of microbiology or microbiologists for kombucha? Do you want to go that direction?
2: <laughs> well, I think kombucha is a great allegory for microbiology because much like our current, understanding of microbiology. We're moving towards a more sort of holistic understanding of how microbes behave in environmental systems, right, with microbiome science and things like that. And I think kombucha is a great example of it because this isn't just one organism. This is a community of microbes um, in varying proportions that work to accomplish the goal of making kombucha. And I think a lot of microbiology is moving towards understanding microbiomes better, understanding how microbiomes affect their host, how their hosts affect microbiomes, and what microbes what role microbes play together instead of like alone on a petri dish. What does this one microbe do in one, you know, situation? Instead, we're looking into, you know, using all these new tools like metagenomics, metatranscriptomics to understand how communities of microorganisms behave in these complex systems like a SCOBY. So I think microbiology is moving towards this more holistic understanding of microbes in systems.
1: I think that's an excellent answer. Oh, um, thank you. So thank you so much for interviewing with Uh But before we go, do you want to tell people where they can find you, either your Twitter or... Uh, yeah,
2: so you can find me on Twitter at microbe underscore manager or... On Instagram where I post lots of kombucha related stuff um, at chris.drozd so just my name chris.drozd
1: perfect thank you so much
2: all right thank you
0: cheers cheers ah. well microbegal nation that's the end of our show but before I leave you I want to just give you a couple more fun facts about kombucha For instance, did you know that from personal testimonies, not real science, that they claim kombucha is a magical elixir, has the ability to cure every ailment from improving your liver, immune system, gastric function, to increasing vitality, and curing AIDS and cancer? It's a true snake oil, don't actually use kombucha to cure any of these ailments fact number two kombucha has been on this earth for a really long time it has its origins stemming from china all the way back to 220 bc i mean everything was invented in china wasn't it and fact number three which is perhaps the fact i find the most interesting is all the other names kombucha is known as we have kainai grib Fungus Japonicus, Simbuia Orientalis, Tsimbusku, Volga Spring, Mogu, Champagne de Ve, Tikwas, Kwasin, Karguska Tea, Kwas, Japonski Grib, Haldempils or Jaskvaska. Now I'm not sure I pronounce any of those right, but you can definitely see that there are so many different ways people say kombucha around the world. As far as real science go, kombucha may provide mild benefits to the consumer. It is thought that the low pH probably has detoxing and antimicrobial features. Kombucha may also be a beneficial antioxidant that caffeine in the tea can be energizing and may even stimulate your immune system. It may be beneficial to managing or preventing some diseases, but certainly doesn't replace medical care. And despite it being full of microbes that don't harm you, kombucha is likely not a great source of probiotics. The acidic acid bacteria are not known to provide benefits and mostly described to date as being probiotics belong to lactic acid bacteria. Although these microbes are found in some kombucha, they are not ubiquitous and may not survive in storage. So what happens then? Do you drink the microbes or metabolites and the acids? Will you live forever? Is kombucha going to be the elixir to cure all your ailments? Probably not, but it is a very nice beverage, low calorie and refreshing. It's great on a summer day, and if you haven't tried it yet, I definitely suggest you do. Now, that is the true end of our show. So thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today's show or learned something new, please share it with a friend. And as always, you can find us at MicrobiGals.com. That's M-I-C-R-O-B-I-G-A-L-S.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at MicrobiGals, on Facebook, at MicrobiGals, uh, we also have a YouTube channel and, of course, at this podcast, The Micro Moment. If you'd like to send us a message, you can do so at microbegales at gmail.com. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day and make your microbes nice and happy. Bye!